This episode is sponsored by Rulin Group. There are four gifts I've received over the years that really stood out, and the common link between all of them is each one was sourced through the Ruling Group. If you want to deliver amazing gifts that capture people's attention, go to GiversEdge.com to learn more. Welcome to the Grow My Revenue Business Cast with Ian Altman unconventional strategies for selling, innovation, and leadership. Ian interviews some of the brightest minds who share proven methods to help you achieve success and grow revenue with integrity. Every episode concludes with a quick recap of actionable steps you can take to deliver tangible, immediate results for your business. Now, here's your host, Ian Altman. Hey, it's Ian Altman. On this episode, I'm joined by Dave Curry. Dave's the president of The List, one of the most progressive and fastest growing research and technology companies serving the media and advertising industry. Now, Dave's a guy who, out of university, took a $4 million Sydney-based brand design firm and transformed it into a $25 million ad agency in just two years. So he's been there, done that. He's a guy who Really, today in their business, they focus on predictive sales intelligence. So we're going to talk about kind of the mistakes that people make old school when it comes to how they pursue sales and how they should, how to capture our clients' ideal attention to make sure we get the right people talking to us, and different ways to measure who's the right client at the right time that other people might overlook. You're going to learn a ton. Dave's got a ton of information and that great Aussie accent. Stay tuned for Dave Curry. Dave Curry, welcome to the show. Ian, thanks so much for having me. So, obviously, I'm familiar with the list, but can you give our listeners a little bit of overview or background on kind of the markets you serve and what it is that you do? Sure, we'd be happy to. So, we're a privately held company with headquarters in Atlanta and a second office in New York. We're about 80 people. We've been around for this be our 21st year of, of business. And uh, we serve two major markets, North America and the UK, and we provide those markets with actionable sales intelligence for anyone who sells to national advertisers or their agencies. Uh, We've been doing this in a number of different ways. There's uh, a range of different market verticals that we serve in those categories. Uh, Traditionally, it was looking at working with and serving advertising and marketing services agencies. We then grew into working with uh, media owners and uh, media properties. More recently, ad tech and sports sponsorship, nonprofits, and so forth. If I had to characterize for those markets, I mean, what are the symptoms? What are the problems that you're solving for those individuals, for those businesses? What do they struggle with where they need your help? They really struggle with looking for timely and accurate trigger points, and we call those that actionable sales intelligence on their most sought-after brands, their most sought-after new business targets. So they're all looking to grow their respective organizations through new sales, and that's where we're the the tool or the solution that's most commonly uh, purchased. Yeah, and you talk about this idea of of actionable sales intelligence that we'll get into in a minute, but talk a little bit. I mean, I I know that you guys have had some pretty explosive growth and, you know, well into double-digit, I think you said 25% year-over-year organic growth. So separate from acquisitions, because a lot of times people say, oh, we grew 25%, and really they were flat, but they acquired someone who added 25%. In your case, organic 25% year-over-year over the last few years. What, What are you doing differently that's, that's driving that growth in the last few years? 
Well, it started about three, well, almost four years ago now, where we took a good look at ourselves and determined that what we needed to get right first was our internal culture. And I know that there's a lot of speakers out there who talk about the importance of organizational culture for sustainable long-term success, and I'd certainly be a, uh, an advocate for, for those, uh, those thoughts and methodologies. So we, we made sure that we invested in looking at how we were positioned internally, did we have the right people in the right seats, um, and using that, uh, having the people in the right seats to then come up with the right SOPs or standard operating procedures so that we could build a business that had a repeatable, scalable sales and marketing um, series of departments internally that weren't afraid to undergo rapid, agile development and experimentation. So we, we knew that we had to be comfortable with failure and be able to be, have the right people that could experiment, fail if necessary, and move on quickly. And I feel that we've really successfully done that over the last few years. And obviously, you're in the business, in many cases, of helping other businesses grow and helping other businesses get results faster. So from a sales side, obviously, you're changing things internally, but also in terms of how you apply those same principles to your customers. So can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, I think that's one of the most interesting things, Ian, taking the the separation and the, the dedicated separation of sales and marketing functionality internally and looking at being able to develop the right tools for the right steps in that marketing mix was really, was really key. So we wanted to be able to build for ourselves a business model or an ecosystem that provided us um, consistency and therefore predictability in sales and marketing. So we went ahead and started making this ecosystem ourselves, making sure that our websites were optimized, that we had the right CRM uh, platform in, uh, built and operating, that it was integrated with the right marketing automation tools, and that the team, most importantly, used it effectively and consistently. What we then found is that given the success that we were realizing internally, uh, we were able to start transferring some of that knowledge, some of that best practice, out to our customer base and to the wider market. So that's been a, an area that I've spent quite a considerable amount of time over the last few years educating the market into the power of building the right ecosystem in building consistency and therefore predictability in both lead generation and the result or the outcome being ideally in growth, growth in sales. Sure. And, and on that growth in sales, one of the things that I think a lot of organizations focus on is kind of, we, we get caught up in data and, and the idea of big data and data becomes, you know, this, this buzzword out in the industry. And I think that a lot of people tend to focus on kind of static demographic data, meaning how many locations do they have? How many employees do they have? What's their industry classification code? And that type of information. And I, I want to get your take on other other elements that people should be looking at that they don't look at and how you use those for your clients? I think the biggest shift that's happened over the last several years has been uh, the migration from the thinking of a one-to-many marketing approach, one-to-many sales approach that worked pretty well um, in the early days of you know mass cold calling and mass emailing and so forth. But we've all evolved as buyers, as consumers of content to a point where what we really now understand is that you know, we see through that thin veil of one-to-many one approach and really expect a one-to-one -one 
approach. And I think, you know, we, we learn a lot from you, Ian, as an organization in being able to craft that message in a true one-to-one sense um, and then using the right technology tools to do that at scale. So I'm a big believer in account-based sales and marketing, but also customizing the message or the content that you're looking to impart into the industry in a one-to-one type feel and um, in a much more casual tone than's typically been the uh, the norm in sales and marketing over the last 10, 20 years. Yeah, and and I think that that the notion of you know a lot of organizations fall into this trap of it's a numbers game. I just got to call on more people. I just got to get more deals into the funnel. And I know you and I have discussed this notion that, look, it's not about getting more deals. It's about getting the right opportunities at the right time. So both for your business and especially for your clients, how do you help people get to the right deal at the right time? Because conceptually, people say, oh, yeah, I want to get there when the conditions are right for what it is that we do. Now, how do we actually do that? How do we find out what's going on? So can you talk about that a little? Yeah, what we found, Ian, was that when those conditions are right, there's triggers in, the, in any industry, any organization has triggers that are likely to cause a change in circumstance or a change in need. So what we've done as an organization, what we first did for ourselves was look at what are the scenarios, what are the things that are happening within our, our prospective customers' businesses that are likely going to indicate that they're more ready to buy or more ready to seek a solution than the rest of the market. So it still becomes a numbers game, but it's about focusing in on the five or ten opportunities at the right time, knowing when and why to reach out rather than just who to talk to at at thousands of companies. So give me an example of what kind of conditions people might want to know about and how they'd actually find that out. One of the easy ones that anyone on listening to this session can do today is to look at senior-level executive shifts within an organization. So for our, t- our customers and for ourselves, anytime that there's a chief revenue officer, uh, a chief marketing officer, senior vice president of sales, anyone in the, in the, that's changing in that senior leadership role in an organization that targets national advertisers, that's one of the key areas that you find two opportunities. So the very simple format is actionable sales intelligence. One, there's an opportunity to work to approach the organization that that individual just left where they're hiring a new person and when the new CMO or CRO is hired we also want to see the opportunity at the organization they resigned to move to so what we started to see was the initial response was let's just go after the organization that has the new management person starting what we found is that there's a it's a, there's a double opportunity for every one of those senior executive shifts. I think it's a great piece of insight that I hope people gather because oftentimes what happens is you're working with a company and your primary advocate, in your case, it doesn't even matter if they know you already, it's just the mere fact that there's someone new in a role means that there's probably someone who's receptive to new ideas also. But a lot of times what people will do is, oh, my current client, gee, I'm dealing with the IT director. And the IT director just went to a new company. So, wow, I think we're going to be able to move with him. And they kind of ignore the company the person just left. And I think there's a huge opportunity that you illustrate to contact those people also and say, look, I know so-and-so just left. We want to make sure you're not left in the lurch. How can we help? 
Um, and it's something that a lot of people might overlook because you just move with a new person and forget that, oh, yeah, the place you just left, we're still working with, or they might need our help even more so now. Yeah, I, I, would, I would tend to harp on the, the final point there. And they, in many cases, we find that they actually need the help more so. Yeah. Uh, they need a stopgap. <laughs> So that, that would be one example of a pretty simple uh, trigger that we see that's relevant to any organization in the marketplace is looking for employee shifts. Now, there's hundreds of other triggers. You may look at a falling or changing share price, a competitor's new product launch. Uh, there's, there's 16 variables that we look at that we supply to our customer base that come up to a, uh, an aggregate score of the likelihood of the opportunity being with that organization. And I think that those those pieces, because now what you're delivering for your clients is not just something that says, oh, here's, here's a job title, here's a company, here's a contact name, but in your clients, what type of information are they actually getting? What, because you're really giving them actionable intelligence that tells them, look, when you call, not only can you call and say, gee, I know you're in this role, but you're also giving them more that's going to pique someone's interest. So talk about that a little bit. I think great salespeople, Ian, are those who can connect the dots. You talked a little bit about big data and the power of big data. Great salespeople are able to look at a range of different pieces of information and tie together a narrative or a story of what is the likely opportunity given these scenarios that are happening in that business. So what we've done as an organization is do that at scale. Take what the best salespeople are able to do and put it in and across 36,000 brands that we monitor on a daily basis. No single organization or individual can do that. And that's where I talk a little bit about the power of having the right tools in the hands of the right people. Expand on that a little bit. When you talk about having the right tools in the right hands, and in many cases, you're dealing with organizations who are advertising agencies, and they're trying to figure out, you know, your typical ad agency, a small to mid-sized agency, might only have two or three major accounts that they're working with at any one time. So if all of a sudden one project's ending, they might realize that, look, within the next 90 days, we need to take on another big client. Otherwise, we got to lay people off and you know, hope that we can find other business. So many times it's urgency that they went from being a capacity to looking for work. So how do you help them smooth that out? Well, that's always a, uh, a big dilemma, and it's, it's certainly not something that uh, we don't hear on a day-to-day basis. I think the, the bigger challenge is what can you do immediately and then set yourself up for longer-term success. So I talk a lot about the proactive business development and the, and the reactive side. We work a lot on the reactive side under the banner of marketing and having a, a, a scalable, repeatable process for attracting the right types of organizations, enticing them into a conversation or a dialogue with the agency. With, um, on the proactive side, tools that we have like Daily Vista tell you not only who to contact, but when and why to, to reach out, which is most important in those, those critical times of urgency. So you don't have time to establish a, a long-term relationship. You need to be able to find something relatively quickly and move it through the sales process. So in those times of urgency, it becomes even more critical to have actionable sales intelligence at your fingertips. 
let me give kind of an example because knowing knowing a little bit about your business, the difference would be this. So for people listening, I want you to think of it this way. You can either get somebody's name and contact information, contact them. And let's say if I was calling Dave, I say, oh, Dave, gee, I understand you're in this chief revenue officer role. And hey, I'd love to talk to you about what we do as an ad agency, which is the way most people are going to will historically have approached that. Instead, you're going to give them information that talks about, for example, a new launch that one of their competitors just came out with, a product that's competing with them. And now, in that same role, you get to call up Dave and say, Dave, I know that XYZ just launched a product that's a direct competitor to yours new in the space. And when that happens, a lot of times our clients come to us because they want something that's innovative that really just squashes that competitor in a heartbeat and makes your brand stand out. And those are the kinds of things that we work on. Is that something worth talking about? And now you get to talk about something that's relevant instead of, you know, you're just sitting there with a tin cup and a cardboard sign begging for business. (laughs) (laughs) And I think you're, you're spot on. Being able to identify the pain that the person is feel is, is feeling both in their in their role and as an organization identifying those issues through looking at the right triggers is the key yeah and and I know that I know that we spent some time with your team on the on the elevator rants both internally and for your customers so how has how has that and, and I'll give people kind of a, a quick overview, a reminder. The idea of the elevator rant, and my buddy Bob London coined this term a while back. In fact, he's got a book coming out um, relatively soon about elevator rant specifically that I'm uh, honored to write in the forward for. The idea of the elevator rant is what is it that your ideal client would complain about that you're really good at solving? And I know that we spent some time with your team on that. So how has that angle of talking more about the elevator rants rather than the features changed some of the dialogues with your customers and on behalf of some of your customers? I think the elevator rant was one of the best tools in being able to identify how to position. There's a lot of talk about how to position an agency, a media property, a sports team, an ad tech property about features and benefits. And, you know, there's, there's wealths of information out there about how to position your organization. But the elevator rant cuts through all that because it gets down to the single point of pain that you're exceptionally good at solving. So for us and for our customers, we find that getting to that elevator rant is actually quite simple. It just requires spending a little bit of time, investing a little bit of time in actually speaking to your customers and asking them, why is it that you solved, why is it that you hired us? Why is it that you're using our application? What was the problem that were, you were hoping to solve? And I mean, you're talking to five or ten people, five or ten existing customers, you can quickly map out what that elevator rant is. And there's usually, you know, one or two of them. But you can apply those then across all of your prospect base with a certain degree of confidence that you're, uh, you're going to hit the mark. Now, in the past, a lot of times your clients, because oftentimes you're teaming with your clients where you're actually taking on some of the business development for them to help them identify new opportunities, what's the difference you see in the response when you lead with the elevator rant side of, look, these are the problems we're good at solving, we don't know if we can help you yet, versus, hey, we're a full-service advertising agency, which, you know, I always joke about the idea of being a full-service agency, like, what, are you comparing yourselves to people who are partial-service agencies, and that's the way they present themselves? I mean, it doesn't make a lot of sense. Um, So how are you seeing a difference in how customers respond and the kind of dialogues you have when you start with, 
here's the elevator rant, here's the problems we're good at solving versus here's what we do? I think it all comes down to time. The prioritization of knowing who to reach out to, what to say, when and, when and why to say it. Um, I'll go back to a moment that I uh, started with the beginning of this interview, which was looking at prospects as markets of one. When you get the right elevator rant to the right target, it feels like you're, the, you're only talking to me. And quite frankly, as a, as a B2B buyer, I'm not particularly interested in how you position your organization to other companies in other market verticals. All I'm interested in is what you can do for me. And a lot of times I find that ad agencies, media properties and so forth forget that simple part of the mix, which is looking at being a specialist to a market of one, and the elevator rand is a really effective way of getting to that. Yeah, and of course, if you have the actual intelligence that you aggregate and um, and constantly maintain. I know that in your business, I forget what the interval is, but tell me the frequency at which you update the information. Obviously, you're doing it daily, but um, remind me again, what's the longest someone's going to have without information being updated on a given opportunity or a given company? Customers come to us for accuracy on that actionable intelligence. Uh, you can have a lot of different triggers. You know, Google Alerts was, was a great initial launch, but the the accuracy wasn't always there. So as an organization, we're specialists and the accuracy level has to be maintained at all times. We find the best practice is maintaining updates across our entire database of all of the brands and advertisers that we cover, all of the people within those organizations on a 120-day cycle. So we're touching the database and updating it daily, but every single contact within that database is updated every 120 days, which is far uh, and exceeds the uh, the industry norms, which are six months to 12 months update oh, yeah. cycles. And, and, let's, and let's face it, you're talking about at that point, you know, with, within four months, every single record that you're tracking is updated. So obviously some of it was updated an hour ago, and the one that's the, the lowest on the totem pole or the, the, the one that's been updated the least frequently is still within a few months, which is something that, as you said before, no one else is going to be able to maintain that level of detail individually. Because guess what? You know that when certain conditions happen, they apply to one of your clients, but not necessarily to another client. And so you're able to present the information that's right for them to help them predict the best opportunities. Yeah, that's, that's absolutely right. And one of the surprises to me this year was an area of the business that we didn't expect to, uh, to come across so quickly. Customers started flipping the model and not just looking to set up alerts on companies that they were prospecting to so that we would deliver actionable sales intelligence on their most sought-after prospects. What they started to do is set up those alerts on their current clients. Yeah. And... You know, I've been speaking to several large agency networks in the last several weeks. There's been a, um, a real appetite for the ability to follow their client base because you're not just investing in working with us on new business. You're working to defend the existing revenue that you have which in, in some cases is a, a, big, a bigger target for some of these networks. You know, it's, it's funny you say that. I will often say to the organizations I work with, look, the easiest way to grow your business is not to lose your existing accounts. So, and, and it's funny because you think about it, there's people thinking, well, I, I need all this intel on my new accounts. And guess what? If your competitor 
is getting the intel about your current account and you're not getting it, then all of a sudden they make a change and, and you feel blindsided, but it's just because you were paying more attention to what's coming next than who you're currently working with. And shame on you if that happens. Precisely. In this pattern where, where you've had this, this kind of growth, I'm sure you also had some periods where things didn't go as smoothly. What's the greatest lesson that you feel that you've learned that other people can benefit from? Never take your foot off the gas. I think keeping a really close eye on the metrics is absolutely key. I mean, what gets measured gets done, and we've been um, over over the over the years we've sort of looked at different types of measures. We've continued to experiment uh, where it hasn't gone right. Looking back on it is when we've taken our eye off the ball and watching those gauges on a on a daily basis, not even a weekly, but on a daily basis. Are we getting the right number of, uh, of leads to goal? Are we looking at the right conversions of conversations to opportunities? Any time that one of those starts to go haywire, the sooner that you can respond in an agile-type culture to that anomaly, the better we're going to be served. So you know, our, our biggest failure is taking our eye off the ball on occasion on monitoring those key metrics on a consistent basis, on a daily basis. Well, and I'm sure it's easy It's easy to take your eye off of that, especially if things are going well. You start kind of feeling like you're on autopilot, and having that discipline obviously I'm sure has a lot to do with this 25% year-over-year organic growth. It absolutely has. So making sure that I think you're exactly right in terms of when, when, you're, when success is happening, it's much easier to convince yourself that you've got it nailed and that you won't have to change whereas it couldn't be further from the truth i think that when you're really successful that's exactly the time to pour more gas onto the fire and continue to experiment because you've got the ability to do it without the high stress situation of having a sales yeah. slump you know I, I think i think you've got you've got a ton of great information and great expertise that uh, that a lot of people can learn from what's what's the best way for listeners to learn more about you and the list well, there's the company website, thelistinc.com. Uh, we produce a lot of blog content on there about uh, best practice in sales and marketing, specifically for the advertising media and ad tech space. Uh, and there's also our new product website, Winmo, W-I-N-M-O. Winmo.com is a new product that we launched, which is an evolutionary application to deliver this actionable sales intelligence. So I'd encourage anyone, if they're interested in finding out more about our organization or would like to try Winmo, to, uh, to go to the website Winmo and register for a complimentary access pass. I'll give you a little 30-second uh, commercial spot here. So tell people what Winmo does. Why, why would somebody need it or care about it? Winmo is a database, first and, and foremost, of every national advertiser in North America, and there's a separate one for the UK, we map all of their agency relationships, so their media agency, their creative agency, at the brand level. And the brand level is interesting because you can't get that information anywhere else. We're a single source provider for that type of detail. And then finally, we provide all of the contacts in the marketing and associated departments that are key decision makers in the relationships between agencies and the brands, their media partners, their ad tech vendors, uh, anyone in that ecosystem with guaranteed accurate email, phone, direct dial, address, and so forth. And that's really the, the foundation of what Winmo is. 
what makes it, what brings it to life and makes it actionable is that in following your companies, just like on Twitter, you would follow someone in. In Winmo, you will follow people, brands, companies, ad agencies, and industries and geographies looking for specific trigger points that are relevant to your business. And we serve that information to you on a daily basis so that you're looking specifically at those types of opportunities that you're most interested in. So it's a search and a serve platform. You can go in and search for the types of information you're looking for in a companies in a specific market that meet your criteria to market your services to. And you're served information proactively on what we believe are the right types of opportunities for you based on those triggers that are of most interest. How do people find you online? If they want to, if they want to find you on Twitter or, or other social media, what's the best way for them to find you, Dave? Uh, my Twitter handle is newbizdingo. So uh, I hail back to my <laughs> Aussie roots. And on, uh, on LinkedIn, Dave Curry, the list, just run that in a search. There's, uh, there's only one. And we'll have it all linked up in the show notes. I'm sure there's a few people now devastated because they thought for sure it was a New York accent, but now um, now they know, in fact, you're an Aussie. <laughs> so uh, the, the cat is out of the bag. <laughs> all right, Dave. Well, thanks so much for joining me today, and um, I'm sure we'll be talking again soon. Thanks so much, Ian. Dave shared some great information. Let me give you a quick 30-second recap of the things I think you can immediately put to work and use in your business. First, make sure that before you worry about how you're positioned externally, that you're positioned properly internally. Build consistent, repeatable processes, and that way you can monitor how things are working. And remember, it's the situational data that allows you to have predictive information about when is the right time to contact that ideal client. It's not just the demographic data or things like that. And of course, when somebody moves, one of your existing clients, somebody moves into a new role, yeah, you want to contact them, but guess what? The vacancy they filled, that person probably needs your help maybe even more than the person who just moved into a new spot who you already have worked with in the past. Remember, this show gets its direction from you, the listener. If there's a guest you think I should have on the show, if there's a topic you'd like for me to cover, just drop me a note at ian at ianaltman.com. Have an amazing week add value, and grow revenue in a way everybody can embrace, even your customer. Thank you for joining us each week for the Grow My Revenue Business Cast with Ian Altman, unconventional strategies for selling, innovation, and leadership. Be sure to subscribe to our program on iTunes or Stitcher. Don't miss Ian's weekly newsletter and be a part of the conversation on growmyrevenue.com and via Twitter at Grow My Revenue.